This is Lindsay Garl. I race slingshots, and you're listening to the Four Wide Salute podcast. Welcome back to the Four Wide Salute podcast. I am Casey, your host, as always. Wow, what an eventful week I've had, the world of racing's had. Let's kick it off with our missing items. I missed Winchester Speedway in Virginia last Saturday, hosted the USAC East Coast 360 Sprint Cars. Damon Paul picked up his first win in a 360 division there. Breaking news this week, Aaron Reutzel broke the internet. I'm going to read verbatim what the World of Outlaws have released as their statement way I don't miss anything or confuse any of the information. So just bear with me here as I go through this. And I quote, during an inspection of Aaron Reutzel's and Roth Motorsports race car prior to competition on Saturday, which was at Wheat Sport, World of Outlaws technical director Tom Devitt noticed suspicious peculiarities with the chassis paint and that the chassis inspection sticker appeared to have been tampered with. When confronted with these observations, Reutzel admitted to Devitt and the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series director Carlton Reimers, he had taken a white chassis, which he knew had been previously disallowed for competition by Devitt, due to undersized tubing, painted it black, and then removed an inspection sticker from a different legal chassis and placed it on the chassis in question. All of these actions by Ritzel were an effort to circumvent the inspection process and further violate the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series rules and regulations. For the violations, participant driver Ritzel has been fined $10,000, which must be paid by August 28th, or he will be subject to an additional penalties and fines. Reutzel has also been deducted 1,000 World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series driver points, Furthermore, he is suspended from competition for 30 days from the July 31st infraction date. In addition, Roth Motorsports has also been fined $10,000 and deducted 500 championship owner points. Roth Motorsports is not suspended from competition. However, they had to pay the fine prior to competing this past weekend at Peevely for the Ironman 55 in which we saw Parker Price Miller hop in the car. They will also be placed on probation for the remainder of this year and the entire 2022 World of Outlaws racing season. That is both Reutzel and Roth Motorsports. Any subsequent violations will result in enhanced penalties and or fines. Roth Motorsports entry for Knoxville at the current moment is listed with a TBA for its driver. That is coming up on Wednesday. Parker Price Miller is already registered under the 5X ride, which he competes with at Knoxville on a regular basis. So I'm not quite sure who they're going to have hop in that car at this point. Guess we'll see, huh? Uh, Dirt Vision. So Dirt Vision has a new look, new apps, new features. Starting with your point of purchase. So if you have purchased through the website, go to the website. If you purchase it through the app, go to the app. If you're on the website, 
reset your password, and then check your access. If you're on the app, make sure you download the new app, reset your password, and then click restore your purchase. There will be apps for Apple TV, which is currently under delay. They now have Amazon Fire and Xbox apps as well. Pay-per-views must be purchased through the website for now. This will give you access through all the apps. Contact support at DirtVision.com for any assistance. I had to do the same thing. It was a little tricky at first. And now there is pay-per-views which must be purchased that are not included with the Fast Pass. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, just want to give a, a list of the PA guys that are signed up for Knoxville. Wish them the best of luck. Whether they're outlaws, whether they're posse, it's all the sprint car world. One state being represented. This is what I have for you. Logan Schuhart, Lucas Wolf, Tim Schaefer, Anthony Macri, Danny Dietrich, Jacob Allen, Logan Wagner, Dylan Sisney, Brock Zierfoss, TJ Stutz, Tyler Esch, Brent Marks, Silinch, and Mike Wagner are your listed PA guys. I'll throw in Kyle Reinhardt there. Jersey's close enough. Uh, wish those guys the best of luck. Bring one home for the PA guys. On to our results Sunday. Last Sunday, Schaefer's Oil Southern National Series, a non-points race, ran at Volunteer Speedway in Tennessee. Dale McDowell picked up the win there. Nothing on Monday. I was watching paint dry. Tuesday, Super Dirt Car Series was supposed to be at Thunder Mountain Speedway. That was canceled over a week or two ago due to the ongoing tire shortage, parts shortages also, and the fact that Super Dirt was going to be running again on Wednesday. They opted to just bag the event for this year, come into agreement between the officials for the Super Dirt Car Series and Thunder Mountain. World about all late models. FVP Platinum Battery Showdown at Audi Gaming Speedway in Wisconsin. That win went to Kate Dillard. And USAC Midgets Eastern Midget Week started on Tuesday. That's where I was four of the five dates, including Tuesday at Grandview for the Ken Bren Midget Masters. Chris Windham ended up taking home the checker there. Your modified victory went to Mike Guler after a heartbreaker from Timmy Buckwaller. Timmy led the entire feature, cut a tire down with two to go, took the white flag leading, opted to stay on the track and, and hoof it out. He said that he didn't hear anybody coming behind him, so he just stayed on the track and trying to see how far it would take him. And uh, needless to say, the train of the leaders were coming past him by, I think Timmy ended up ninth, but uh, Guler got the win. Wednesday, USAC Midgets again, Easter Midget Week at Action Track USA. Dason Persley picked up a barn burner there in the Midgets. Great feature. Awesome stuff going on there. Check out the highlights on Flow. Timmy Buckwalder picked up the win in the 600 micros that night as well. Super Dirt was up Atlanta Legends Raceway for the Liberty 100. Peter Britton picked up the first feature. As you guys know, they ran twin 60s. They finished their original program with a 60 lapper. Then they ran a complete program with another 60 lapper. So the Batman got the first one. Stuart Friesen got the second one. Thursday, down at Bridgeport Speedway for USAC Midgets Eastern Midget Week. 
Tanner Thorson smoked the field, won by, I believe it was half a track. They didn't really sprawl out all over the track like we had previously seen with sprint cars, modifieds. They kind of hugged to the bottom. The middle got kind of dirty. The top was beaten down by the modifieds. It was what it was, and Thorson still kicked ass. Alex Jankowski ended up picking the win up with the modifieds. Unfortunate for Ryan Godown. Big puff of white smoke came out early on in that one. Gave Jankowski the lead, and he held on the whole way through. What about all late models? USA Nationals at Cedar Lake Speedway in Wisconsin. Postponed till Friday. They ran it before their qualifiers for the big showdown. Ashton Winger picked up the win there on the earlier part of Friday. Knoxville Raceway, 31st annual 360 Knoxville Nationals. Prelim night number one on Thursday went to Sam Hayfordteep Jr. Or as Bert likes to call him, Heffertepe. We're going to pick up with Knoxville to kick off the weekend national stuff since we're already there. Friday was prelim night number two. Geo Selzy, dominant, picked up the win there for prelim night number two. And on Saturday, the 31st annual running of 360 Knoxville Nationals. Geo Selzy back in victory lane again. Dominant at Knoxville, dominant in that 360 division. World of Outlaw Sprints, we're at Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55 in Peavley, Missouri. Friday, Saturday. Friday was the night before the Ironman. Sheldon Hodenshield with the victory there. Your power, I midget victory, went to Brent Cruz. 13-year-old kid. Outstanding. Has won a ton of races this year. Look for him on the national scene any day now. Saturday's actual Ironman 55 event. Again, Sheldon Audenshield. Again, Brent Cruz with the power image. It's unbelievable stuff. Sheldon, that's two years in a row now for the Ironman 55. Let's see if he can carry that momentum into the Knoxville Nationals week. USAC Midgets, Eastern Midget Week, again, continued Friday at Bloomsburg Fair Raceway. That is the one that I missed. As you guys know, I was at Big Diamond. Tanner Thorson picked up the victory up there. Heartbreaker for Timez leading that one, got into the rear of a lap car. Briggs Danner ended up picking up the win with the USAC East Coast guys for his seventh win of the year in that division. Saturday, Clyde Martin, Memorial Speedway, Lanco, the finale. Wow, that track and midgets are badass. Your winner ended up coming out with Justin Grant. He called it. He called it. And your 600 micro victory at Lanco went to Steven Snyder Jr., wire-to-wire leader there. World about all eight models. USA Nationals Friday and Saturday. So Friday was the prelim night. They ran their heat races and then a pole dash. Kay Dillard was your winner of the pole dash, putting him up front for last night's big event that ended up going to Jonathan Davenport back in victory lane. West Virginia Motor Speedway hosted the World Race of Champions weekend. Four tens on Friday and Saturday. Friday, they also ran super late models. The Mark Balzano Memorial for the super late models went to Devin Moran on Friday night. Friday's 410 win went to Anthony Macri. And Saturday's 20 grand to win 410 finale went to Tim Schaefer. On to our local stuff. Big Diamond Friday. And I'm going to touch on the modifieds here in a second. 
Uh, open Sportsman, Fayish Memorial went to Doug Hendricks. 602 Crates, Fayish Memorial went to Steve Davis. Roadrunners to TJ Fitzpatrick. Modifieds, Brett Cressley, Jared Umbenhauer, uh, duking it out lap after lap for the lead. Cressley got into the back of Umbenhauer, spun him coming into four of the last lap. He did take the checkered. However, we made the decision to penalize him. Not a disqualification. Penalized him for rough riding, aggressive driving, however you want to phrase it. Put him at the tail of the lead lap. He was not DQ'd as per what I've been reading on social media. Um, As Abe Lincoln once said, everything on the internet must be true. But that is what a lot of tracks have done. Have They do currently. They will do. We do the same rough riding. Put him at the tail of the lead lap. That disqualification would have meant no points, no money. That was not the case coming from your race director right here. Uh, Craig Von Doren ended up with the win. He was third going into turn three and four of that last lap. He was then third. The leader got spun. Second was put back for rough riding. Craig Von Doren was your winner. Uh, 100th Big Diamond Speedway victory. Congrats to him on that feat. He was presented with a nice check looking poster looking thing uh my wife creative designed very nicely had a bunch of cars on there that craig has driven at big diamond over the years his first win dates 50th win date and then we hand wrote number 100's date on there williams grove ran the billy kimmel memorial 410's victory first one ever for devin borden super late bottle victory then went to gene knob your other modified tracks Pen Cans victory went to Brian Malcolm, back-to-back for him up there. Accord ran a makeup feature that went to Jesse Marks. Then their regularly scheduled program feature went to Danny Tyler. Bobby Flood picked up the win at Afton. James Meehan at Albany, Saratoga. Matt Williamson got it done at Ransomville. Matt Shepard got it done at Utica, Rome. Outlaws Modifieds rained out. They had their Patriot Sprint Tour there. Ryan Smith was leading the feature when the rain came and washed out the night. I'm guessing they will have a makeup date for the modified feature to uh, to be announced. Tim Fuller got the win at Can-Am and Larry White at Brewerton. On to Saturday. Grandview, Craig Von Dorn picked up the win there. Dylan Hoke in the Sportsman. Bridgeport's modifieds were off. Ryan Godown Jr. with the victory in the great class. And Kevin Nagy once again with the mass 305s. New Egypt saw a pair of brothers take home the wins. Brandon Grasso and Justin Grasso. Brandon with the modifieds, Justin with the open sportsman. Not the first time that's happened this year. US 13 Delaware International got rained out, unfortunately. Lincoln, 410s, win went to Corey Haas, 358s to Justin Foster. They also had the 600 Excel mods there. Sam Shikatano with the victory there. On to Port Royal, Devin Borden made it two nights in a row, 410 wins. Kyle Lee picked up the super late model feature win and Garrett Bard with the pass 305s. Your other modified tracks, Orange County had their modifieds off. Fonda, unfortunately, got rained out. They are acknowledging the wristbands from the $5 night. If you bring them back next week, they will acknowledge that as admission. Thunder Mountain, their uh, 
Dirt Modifieds went to Jordan McCready, and the regular Modified Division went to Jeff Sheely. Woodhull, unfortunately, got rained out as well. Fulton had a makeup feature from June 19th and a regularly scheduled program. It didn't matter. Dave Marcaccioli won both of them. Dominant performance of Fulton for Dave. Lebanon Valley, Olden Dwyer with the small block victory and Colby Shorter in the big blocks. Land of Legends. So they ran their ESS finish from the Liberty 100 night a few weeks ago. And then they were going to pair with the Patriot Sprint Tour to run a complete program. Matt Farnham picked up the victory in the makeup feature. They finished there. And then the rain came and washed out the rest of the night. Their modifieds were off. Uh, five mile point was off and so was Weedsport. On to our upcoming events. So, as we all know, Knoxville. I'm going to go over that first. Sunday, tonight, Capitani Classic on Dirt Vision. Always kicks off the week there. Monday, they then, not the Outlaws, but Spring Cars go to Oskaloosa, Southern Iowa Speedway. It's a non-World of Outlaws show, a non-sanctioned show for the 26th Annual Front Row Challenge. A lot of guys show up there. Then Wednesday kicks off your NOS Energy Drink Knoxville Nationals presented by Casey's General Stores. Not me, another Casey. At Knoxville Raceway for qualifying night number one. Thursday, qualifying night number two. Friday is your prelim. And then Saturday, your 60th annual Knoxville Nationals. Who's going to win? We'll find out. Kyle Larson is registered. We'll be competing all four nights. Will it be Donnie Schatz once again? Will it be your defending champion, Brad Sweet? Will it be previous winner, David Gravel? Who knows? We'll find out. Maybe it'll be someone new. Uh, maybe one of our PA guys will bring it home. Now, to transition off of Knoxville, I did read you all the guys from PA that are going to be there. There are still a hundred and some four tens in Central PA that will not be traveling. We at Big Diamond put on a 410 show for Friday the 13th, first time in eight years. 410s will be at Big Diamond this Friday. And for the first time, I'm going to confirm the 11 guys that we know will be there, that have confirmed with us. First time you're going to hear it, not posted anywhere. Take notes. Your drivers that are confirmed are Tyler Reeser, Jordan Givler, Drew Ritchie, Tyler Bear, Mike Walter II, Ryan Smith, Tyler Walton, Wild Bill, Billy Dietrich, Sam Schlossberg, Tyler Ross, and your two-time winner from this weekend, the Daredevil, Devin Borden. Tuesday, Short Track Super Series goes up the Woodhall Raceway for the Hustle and the High Banks. Super Dirt on Thursday, Orange County Fair Speedway. Depending on which site you look at, Super Dirt still calling it the Battle of the Midway. Orange County's calling it the Centennial 102. So we're going to call it the Battle of the Centennial 102 just for my laughter. That is also on Dirt Vision, Short Track Super Series on Flow. USAC Silver Crown tonight on Flow. Or if you want to go, Sealands Grove Silver Crown with the USAC East Coast Sprint Cars in tow. Great show last year. Drama at the end with Cottle coming through the field. I don't doubt it won't be something similar this year. Check that out live or like I said, on flow. Lucas Oil Late Models, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Florence Speedway in Kentucky. Thursday is the Sunoco North-South Shootout. 
Friday and Saturday is your 39th annual North-South 100 night. I'm guessing your heats, qualifiers, prelims are on Friday and your 100 lapper will be on Saturday. Those, I believe, are still on MAV TV Select or MAV TV Plus. And then you have Hell Tour picking back up on Friday and Saturday. Friday at Highland Speedway in Illinois. Saturday, they will be at Peavley, the Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55. Those are on Dirt Vision. Those are your upcoming events. Those are your results. Before we get into our guests this week, and yes, I say guests plural, um, always please share, like the podcast, five-star reviews on your podcast platforms. Highly appreciated. You guys are doing an awesome job of supporting. I cannot thank you all for the congratulations, well wishes, uh, attaboys, you name it. I love it. And uh, if you guys didn't want a sticker, I do have four white salute podcast stickers made up. Make sure you see me at Big Diamond or in passing wherever I seem to roam on the weekend, which I believe is going to be Grandview this upcoming Saturday. The Forest 51st annual Forest Rogers 50 lapper 10,000 to win. I think I will not miss that. Uh, On to our guests. So I had the pleasure of speaking with two of our young studs in the USAC field that brought us midgets, 15-year-old Emerson Axum and 16-year-old Dason Persley. Thanks go out to Glenn, Glennie Reinhardt, dear friend of mine, was able to hook me up with these guys, interviewed Emerson before the races on Wednesday at Kutztown, interviewed Dason before the races at Bridgeport. Cannot thank Lenny enough for that. These two kids are awesome. They, uh, they're pretty well educated. They know what they're talking about and they know what they want to do and, and, uh, how to get it done. So I hope you guys really do enjoy the interviews that are coming your way. You're going to listen to Emerson's first, then I'll cut over to, uh, Dason Persley's. So as always, hope you guys enjoy the show until next time. Bill Brown and company located in Hamilton, New Jersey has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. Current owner and proud dirt track supporter Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and has continued to deliver the customer service that Bill Brown & Company has delivered since the beginning. Kenny supports dirt track racing through the sponsorship of the number 11 Modified, driven by Danny Heber, along with sponsorship of bonuses of Big Diamond Speedway and the Short Track Super Series, and is proud to be a sponsor of the 4 Wide Salute Podcast. You can reach Bill Brown and Company at 609-586-1408 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out the promotional products on the website at www.billbrowninc.com. On this week's episode of the 4 Wide Slew Podcast, I have with me here today the stud driver for Petrie Motorsports, Emerson Axum. Emerson, how was Grandview last night? Um, I thought I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty big and fast. It's one of the faster tracks I've been on. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> you know, with me being a young driver coming from other short wheel based cars, it it helps to be smooth. So I think that helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, it was a pretty cool track. Uh, really, I just felt like I uh, 
kind of ran out of time and lap traffic. I just kind of needed to stay there or a caution, one of the two. Either right. keep going into lap traffic or um, get a caution. Um, That's right. You didn't race there last year because it rained out. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm, I'm kind of happy I didn't really because probably would have had a bad experience with it being my first year in the midget and it being a faster track. Yeah, Grandview's unique in its own right. Um, you know, the turns, it's more like you're going uphill. Mm-hmm. Um, passing last night seemed not non-existent, just tough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is that the racetrack surface itself, or is that just you have a lot of talented drivers out there? But, uh, no, you threw that haymaker in, too, on the last lap. Fucking place went nuts. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, he got back around you again. But, no, that was uh, that was a good run for you. It seems like since your first, you got that first win under your belt, things are heading in a completely different direction now where it's like weight off your shoulders. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, and I feel like after the first win, the second night, I backed it up, which proved to me, you know, that oh, yeah. it wasn't luck, I feel like. So um, I feel like that helped a lot in getting the weight off my shoulders. and State champ. Um, last night, uh... The passing deal, I feel like, um, you know, it was just one of those tracks that it's so momentum-based that yes. eventually it's hard to just pass somebody unless they mess up. Right. So, you know, that's why I kind of wanted it to be in lap traffic so Wyndham could have to slide somebody and break his momentum or, um, you know, lift or crack the throttle eventually. Right. So, um, I feel it like... it seemed like that's what happened, too. Mm-hmm. As soon as yeah. he caught the tail of the field... The gap just shrunk. Mm-hmm. Yep. And usually in second, you have the advantage of being in second in lap traffic just because the guy, the lappers know the leader came by. So, you know, usually it's best to just whatever line they keep running, go the opposite and let the guy in second go by. Right. Um, so that, that helped. Uh, Does USAC tell the lappers that the leaders are coming? No. They're, so, they just... I th- they kind of give them the blue and yellow flag. Right, that's but it. that's it. Yeah. So, and, and I'm learning this now. You know, I'm the race director for Big Diamond Speedway. Mm-hmm. We, I hate doing it because I feel like you're giving the leader an advantage, but you're also preventing a wreck from happening because a lot of times, especially on a weekly show, mm-hmm. the guys in the back are all over the place. Mm-hmm. They don't know what line they're running. Um but I always wondered, you know, with a, a series like USAC or Outlaws or whatever, if they're doing the same thing, because it's a little bit different a competition. Mm-hmm, yeah. Have, I you, feel have like, you ran tracks where they've done that? Yeah, um, I've done some pavement sprint car stuff mm-hmm. recently, and they do that there. Okay. Um, they just kind of radio over lap traffic, right. stay low, right. ladies are coming. Exactly, and that's, you know, it's a, you know, it's like NASCAR, they have spotters, they can, mm-hmm. they can dictate a whole lot more obviously dirt and stuff you you don't have that mm-hmm. to uh to help you along or help you get around lap cars i mean you still see it sometimes where it doesn't work but um so you've ran here kutztown last year first time here right yeah what'd yeah you, last year what do you think or, about what do you think of this time of, uh, of a place so like this first time in a midget i ran here in a micro oh really and i think 
2019, I guess. Really? It'd be. Yeah, I struggled though. Uh, what were you, did you just come in for that? PA or? Speed Week. Oh, you came in for Micro Speed Week? Yeah. Ah, okay. Was that the same year that Zeb ran? No, he ran the year before me. Okay. Or wait. It may have been the year before you. I think you. so, yeah. Yeah, because Zeb coming in with the Clawson guys mm-hmm. was like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now he's having success in the wing side of things, but... um. No, I, I didn't realize that you were here for... Mm-hmm. for I struggled. Week. I didn't do now? anything special. Um, uh, I feel like we... The car I was in was... It wasn't... No disrespect to the guys, but right. it, we didn't... It wasn't coming out of our shop, doing it the way we wanted. And that happens and, a lot. Which is okay. You know, we kind of put ourselves in that position. Um, But um, I feel like we should have just looked more into what we were getting into instead of um you know giving myself a real chance coming out this far right for um a whole week Mm -hmm. i might as well we should have just looked into it and gave myself a real chance and where was the car based out of it was a ryan grass d1 oh okay okay wow yeah um that happens so often i've seen guys get into rides um, Timmy Buckwalder, for example, had a deal, started the year running for a team. They maintained the car mm-hmm. in their shop in another state. Mm-hmm. They worked on it. They did what they wanted to do to it. Not saying that they don't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but Timmy has his own modified in which he sets up the way he feels comfortable. And sometimes it just doesn't work when you get in someone yeah. else's car. How do you think that that stuff plays out with like the chili bowl. So there's so many guys, I can't believe it. it it's a, it's amazing to see that you got 50 car owners bring cars with no driver. Mm-hmm. And it's like a rent me kind of deal. Mm-hmm. It's gotta happen with, with the chili bowl especially. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, a lot of guys <clears throat> think they're doing right by switching last second, trying to get in a different car. Um, which sometimes it is a better car, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's just, period, it's a better car. Um, right. So, sometimes it helps, um, but if you're already in a good car and you're already running good, um, sometimes it can hurt you, especially oh, yeah. if it's coming out of your own shop and, you know, right. you're not used to someone else doing it. Right. Um, so. Yeah, it's a, it's just, it's an interesting thing to see these guys that bring all these cars with no drivers and they just... Well, got one for right yeah. here if you want to drive it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, to each their own, whatever works. But, um, so how is Chili Bowl? How is it? Um, so from your standpoint, because you're still, young. I thought it was, I thought it was cool, but we only had, I think, 25% capacity or whatever this year, right? And, um, Again, it was a brand new car we built, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we we missed some things on building it, right? And it hurt us, um, you know. So my dad took it back to our shop after Chili Bowl, went through the whole thing, and got it put back together for Florida. And we go out and have a shot to win a USAC race at Florida. So, right. um, you know, I wish we would have caught that before Chili Bowl. But, um, you know, I, I feel like I kind of wasted my rookie debut. Um, we, we still ran good. We were good. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, the car wasn't 100%. Could have been better. Like, at Chili Bullet, you know, Keith, uh, Matt Wood, 
Chad Boat, you know, RMS, they don't miss anything on their Chili Bowl cars. No. They go through them. And know. Swindell to a point, Yeah, too. exactly. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's, there's so many good cars, but, you know, Lar- Paul Silva's midget. No one's, he's not going to miss anything on that thing, so. No, Paul doesn't miss, I don't think he misses anything ever. So, um, you know, you can't take a not perfect car to Chili Bowl. Right. So, you know, I feel like that hurt us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited for this year to kind of show that how much speed we've gained throughout the year compared to last year. Oh, and you definitely have it shown. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Chili Bowl, their rules are different than USAC's, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know the specifics, but I know there's, like, no weight rule. It's open tire rule. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the Swindell cars we'll never see on USAC with the yeah. square gas tanks, yeah. which they look so funky. Um, but, yeah, it's the rules are, are a little different. Um, but, like... You know, you're running up against 300 other drivers out there. Mm-hmm. And then you have guys like Larson and Bell mm-hmm. who just seem to have it every time they're on the track. Mm-hmm. And now we've just seen Larson with what he was able to do this past weekend. Now the only driver to win a World of Outlaw Elite model and sprint car race. You know, do you look up to guys like that? Do you want to... Do you approach them when you're around them? You know, do you, you ask them um, questions? Are you able to? I kind of quiet. Um, you know, last year with I feel like me kind of being just a younger driver and not having a lot of experience and um, you know, only having good runs here and there. Right. I felt like it wasn't um, I don't know right for me to approach them and act like okay. I know them. Um, so you're still kind of shy. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's. Because they, I don't know. They're aware of who's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They know. Yeah. They, they don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I don't even know who these people. No, they know. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, they keep an eye out for stuff like that. And you know, look at a guy like Larson who had his own sprint car team. You know, it's smart to kind of scout when yeah. you're running against, mm-hmm. especially now with it seems like the age of the newcomers or the rookies gets younger and younger and younger Mm -hmm. you know i just talked to one of our modified legends from this area you had to be 21 to get in the pits back Mm -hmm. in the 60s yeah you had to lie about your age if you wanted to race at 19 19 Mm -hmm. you're not even 19 no (laughs) so it's 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 getting younger and younger and younger i mean up at our track we just had a 10 year old we're on a 602 crate modified for the first time on Friday. 10. Yeah. 10 years old. Um, but yeah, who are some of the guys that, you know, now that you are in your second or third year now? Second. Second year with mm-hmm. USAC. Obviously, uh, you're one of the guys to beat on a weekly basis. Do you, who are some of the guys that you look up to or you leverage for advice? I mean, I would assume KT. Yeah, um, and the midgets, especially KT. Um, you know, he's he's a really technical driver, so it tracks last, like last night. Mm-hmm. It helps a lot to have a guy like that on your side. Um, um, last night, I felt like the track was pretty line sensitive. Right. And, you know, he I before qualifying, I said, you're three tenths better than everybody. How? Like, just what do I need to do to qualify good? And he told me how, and, you know, I went out there and ran third quick. Um, so... It helps, um, you know, uh, and 
the guys. They gave us great cars. And so me and KT's car right now, at the start of the season, they were different um, just with motor placement. Mm -hmm. So after midget week, we kind of said we need to be on the same package. So if KT goes out and says, I'm loose here, then we go to my car and tighten it up. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So without you saying it's loose, you still make the same changes. mm -hmm. Do you guys have similar driving styles per se um no but kt knows what a good car feels like okay so um and usually on the same he drives it differently but usually our cars are set up the same are close you know every night right like last night at grandview um our cars were almost identical all night so interesting um are there other guys that you leverage for bits of knowledge here and there? Um, you know, not not necessarily because right now, um, you know, I'm racing against them. They don't. Okay. So it's kind of one of those deals now. It's where right. I'm not the rookie anymore. Like, right? They're racing. We're racing. We're not. Right. He's not. You're not the new me. kid on the block yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. At your age, you're not considered. You know. You are the younger guy, but you're not, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's that's interesting. Do you have aspirations of crossing over into the, the sprint side of things? Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's where I want to be on um, World of Outlaws. Oh, so you want to go wing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And why, why do you pick that as where you want to end up? Because, I mean, there's so many different outlets of racing, right? Mm-hmm. You could go so many different directions. You know, you're talking about running outlaws on dirt. Most guys want to go NASCAR. Mm-hmm. So, what is it about the outlaws that makes you want to go there, and well, that's where you want to get to? Um, you know, not just outlaws, I guess I should say, but okay. like, like Larson did this past year. You know, he right. can jump in a late model, he can jump in a crown car, and everything in between. Yeah. So that's kind of more what I want to do. You know, if there's a big big paying silver crown race let's go do it you know if there's a big paying wing sprint car race let's go do it that's at the point where i want to end up just to where i can you know whatever i get in i can race and it seems like for the most part i would say a midget and even you know a usac 410 sprint car are the stepping blocks to getting to that Mm -hmm. level yeah i mean most all of them uh you know sweet was courtney just did you know he just won the biggest sprint car race of the year sunshine's uh he's making it easier for you guys to see your dream come Mm -hmm. true yeah being that they have been successful Mm -hmm. you know he finally got that first win he's leading all stars and then he cashes in on the hundred and seventy five thousand dollar check which is i couldn't imagine that yeah yeah it's crazy and uh, you know it's kind of a testament to their program at cmr oh yeah to just be able to do that against the best in the world Mm -hmm. you know and don't take anything away from sunshine too because he could jump in a crown car he can jump in a midget he can obviously jump in a wing car and a sprint car yeah a non-wing sprint car he had one of the best teachers and mentors Mm -hmm. that ever drove anything Mm -hmm. and brian Mm -hmm. um but yeah they're they're on another level right now and it's good to see because so many times i mean 
KT's hopped in a wing car. Timez hopped in a wing car. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys have hopped in a wing car, and it just didn't pan out, or they're not dedicated to it, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But it's not a common or regular occurrence to where you have guys like Larson who have now gotten to where they are that anytime they're in the pits, they're a threat to win. Mm-hmm. And now Sunshine has now gotten to that level too. Um, so I want to talk about your whole iRacing situation here. So I'm not on iRacing. And I've started to, to learn from watching in afar. It realistically is a simulator. Yeah. Um, that you can race whenever you want. Mm-hmm. How much time do you spend... Obviously not this week. You're mm-hmm. running, um, you know. But when you're home or whatever, how often are you on there, and how often are you are you practicing? Um. So usually I use a simulator as okay. more of a game with my friends. Okay. You know, or the iRacing simulator has more of a game with my friends. Okay. Uh, we'll get in there and just race each other as, you know, we love racing. Why not? Right. Right. So, <clears throat> um, usually is what happens is my dad will call me and tell me to come to the shop for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually just miscellaneous stuff to come to the shop and do for two hours, three hours. And then I get home and, you know, I'll eat dinner and then get on iRacing from 7 to 12 just, or my computer from 7 to 12, just get on anything really and just hang right. out with the buddies. Um, but usually it is iRacing. Um, um, I feel like it's it's kind of gone away from the realism to kind of more of kind of critiquing to the non-drivers that want to do it okay so you know make it easier on the majority of the the players that someone like myself yeah you know usually a lot of the guys on there um can't afford to go racing sprint car racing right so and even i racing isn't cheap either no but you know, it's a lot cheaper than real racing. Absolutely. So a lot of the guys on there, um, you know, they that's their racing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's the, the broad spectrum of iRacers is right. the guys that don't race in real life. So um, if the cars are too hard to drive for, you know, Johnny that gets on for the first time and right. he doesn't just want to dedicate it to it, have dedication to it to get good mm-hmm. um you know he's not gonna play yeah because so. it, it's not like the playstation version of games or even tony stewart's you know i mm-hmm. have that at home um you know you're not going in there and changing all kinds of setups and mm-hmm. you're not you're not doing anything mechanically to your car mm-hmm. um to the extent that you are with iRacing mm-hmm. and you know and i have the fortunate to, to listen to Glenny talk about it a lot and he's all these drivers are in there yourself mm-hmm. right so he knows you through iRacing yeah he uh i remember we were doing a a grid walk at bridgeport for a modified race and mad max was in there mm-hmm. and he introduced himself he was like oh you're the guy online yeah. yeah i'm the guy online and uh it's fun it's funny how he and others are meeting all of you guys mm-hmm. through iRacing mm-hmm. but um no i mean it's got to create the ability for you to just keep in the motions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like some of the cars are realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I feel like the non-wing sprint cars are not terrible. Um, 
and I feel like the modifieds, they got to be close, you know. That's exactly <laughs> what I think is what it feels like, but I feel like the midgets are pretty far off. Um, okay. But, um, you know, a lot of people like them, so they're not going to change. Oh, no. You know no. what I mean? Well, you ain't going to fix something if it's not broke. And and on their side of things, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's obvious. But, um, so, you know, it's fascinating how it's created a whole community mm-hmm. of race fans and drivers and put them all in the same mm-hmm. you know playing field yeah that's that's what's cool about it it is like you said it's that chance for that guy who can't afford a race car yeah. to compete against someone like yourself mm-hmm. um so as we as we wind this down um so you have cuts town tonight how you feel about it i'm excited you know i feel like this is right up my alley yeah mm-hmm. you like your your smaller tracks um you know i feel like not the small small ones like um you know port city i guess mm-hmm. but you know anything smaller than this i feel like i struggle on here okay. but you know i feel like this is right up my alley of you know it's, it's gonna be smooth yeah i've never been here when it's rough so um, no i don't think it does Mm-mm. so no not not really um Unless something funky happens with weather, it's pretty smooth mm-hmm. all around. The racing in the last couple of weeks has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, that 600 micro feature last That's Wednesday, what I heard it was insane. on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way to the end, mm-hmm. it was a battle. Um, but yeah, I mean, the banking's up. Yeah, I, I mean, last year, or the past couple of years we've been here, I feel like it's uh, shelved off a little bit, and the midgets get it so high to where they just run above the shelf, which is cool, but... Very cool. Um, you know, with the banking, I feel like it's going to be banging the wall instead of running off the shelf with the left run up in the air. Um, right. So I feel like that, it, you know, I, I don't think it can hurt it, you know, adding that banking, so... I think it's going to be a really good race. Yeah. So then you go Bridgeport tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Have you seen footage from Bridgeport? Yeah. It's insane, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I can't, I've said it a thousand times. I can't get past the success it's had. You have a track that is so wide in the turns. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting seeing you guys out there tomorrow because it's mm-hmm. a lot smaller a car yeah. than what they normally run there. But there's like 18 grooves, right? Yeah. And everyone funnels just when they get to the front or back stretch. They just mm-hmm. funnel in, in line, and they've gone so many features this year, green. Mm-hmm. And a place like that where you've guys all over the place, you're expecting there's got to be a wreck somewhere, mm-hmm. and they run nonstop. Um, but it's it's so cool to to see it mm-hmm. up in person. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Um, so I think you guys are gonna have a blast down there. There's plenty of room for slide jobs. Yeah, it, it's gonna be nuts. But I, you can also hang the wall like you can at an Eldora. Mm-hmm. So it'll be it'll be interesting. And then Friday's Bloomsburg. Yeah. So that's brand new this year. Yeah. Um, it's a nice facility. Yeah. You're gonna love the. I love the pits because it's a lot of macadam and grass. Mm-hmm. So no rocks. Yeah. No stones. Um. But the track is is unique again. I want to say it's closer to Grandview size, maybe a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard some, you know, it's kind of Kokomo shaped and yes. Kokomo sized. Yes. So, um, you know, and KT's good there at Bloomsburg. He won a yeah, sprint car. He won so. the, the only USAC race there so far. So, um, you know, I'm <clears throat> sure it's one of those tracks that 
like Grandview where it's kind of line sensitive or mm-hmm. you know one of those tracks where just a guy like Kevin Kevin um, su- succeeds at because it's technical so right. um, you know I'm sure I'll be over there in his ear <laughs> um, trying to trying to get some information you have to check out the fair food mm-hmm. fair food's good um, and then uh, Saturday is one of my favorite parts of this week mm-hmm. Lanco yeah so what do you take from being at Lanco last year um I struggled last year uh I struggled on rough tracks a lot mm-hmm. last year and it got a little rough so um uh I'm ready for redemption I I'm guess. hoping it's smooth yeah a lot of times it is mm-hmm. and when it gets real smooth even 600s are super fast yeah, yeah. super fast but again it's such a unique track yeah where it's like a hole in the wall because yeah. it's in the middle of nowhere in yeah. the boonies. Yeah, it is. Um, but the racing's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and hopefully come Saturday you'll be in a position, you know, get yourself an Easter Midget Week championship ring. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a great start. So, yeah. Um, you know, and I feel like we've been as consistent as anyone this season. Um, you know, like the last eight races, I think I've finished out of the top four like two times uh, up until all the way up until the second half of midget week. I've been in the top four, except I think maybe once or twice. So, um, you know, I feel like we've been consistent as anyone, you know, and I feel like Kevin, you know, it's either me or him mm-hmm. with the with the shot to win. So, um, you know, it feels good. The cars are right, obviously. So, yeah. Um, it's funny because he admittedly, he admits he doesn't like running the mission. Yeah, he doesn't. He tells, <laughs> he, you know, they know that. So, but he's, um, but he's good. Yeah. Um. So what are your, what are your, um, what are your goals for, say, just the rest of the year and even next year? Like, you know, obviously you're going to, to be progressing mm-hmm. in the right direction. What are your, what are your short and long term goals? Um, you know, it's short term, you know, up until this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, I don't know. I want to win the championship or have a shot at it. You know what I mean? Just to even say that we're third in points right now, I think is pretty crazy. Um, and to say out loud that we have a shot at it, it feels even crazier to me because right. last year I felt like we were just kind of struggling and struggling and putting the right pieces together i was learning you know my dad was learning on the car um so it just we just struggled Um, that's kind of all there is to it yeah and then you know i got better as a driver um and they kind of got better as figuring out how i want the car to drive Mm -hmm. and it's showing them it's clicking so um i want to win more races but and I'm not a points guy. I'm not the guy that's saying, oh, I'm running second. I'm You're not analytical like that. So I'm the guy at the end of the year that says if I would have passed that guy, I would have won. So Right. Um, I want to win. That's um, what it comes down to. You yeah, just want to win. I just want to win races. So. It's an Al-, Al Davis thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> yeah. If uh, we, you know, we win a lot of races and just minimize our bad nights at the same time, that's, you know. Ask Robert Ballou how that happened in 2015. Mm-hmm. He had the most USAC wins and got himself a championship in, in doing so. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, win games, win races, same concept, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the favorite tracks you, you like going to? 
Um, I like Lincoln Park. Um, Gas City was cool this year. Mm-hmm. Um, any track that's smooth, usually, I like. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I can be cowboy up, you know, um, like on a big curb or something. But when it comes down to just being rough, I struggle. So right. Um, you know, we got to get better at that. I got to get better at that. But um, you know, a lot of times. A lot so far this year we haven't been to many rough tracks so right um it's weird if you go to you know especially on indiana mm-hmm. smooth till you get to where the curbs at yeah and then it's like oh that thing's ugly mm-hmm. and then yeah. you're bouncing all, all over the place and mm-hmm. hopping around but uh yeah they're all unique out there in their own way mm-hmm. um i like lincoln park as well that's it's a uh, putnamville's a uh, just such a cool place yeah. to see mm-hmm. and the way it's shaped it has that bowl type feel to mm-hmm. it yeah it's uh it's nothing like anything else that's for sure mm-hmm. but um no i appreciate your time appreciate you being on the show yep thanks for having me yeah now you're gonna go out and win tonight right yeah that's the goal sitting here today down at bridgeport with last night's winner at action track usa dace persley How's it going, man? How was the the celebration afterwards last night? Oh, it was good. Um, I mean, you know, winning any race is, is really big, and uh, when you you know can finally win a USAC race and you know kind of click a couple off there and you know have a you know a week here where you're racing really hard, it, it's cool. And um, you know the celebration, we of course celebrate that night, but then it's hard to kind of celebrate all week when you when you still got racing to do. So um, you know, very fortunate enough to, to pick up the win last night, and hopefully we continue to pick up some more. You know, on to the on towards the week. Yeah. Did you know Axon was on your tail? I did, and, and I knew that he would be really good there. I, I feel like their cars are are really good when there's you know not something to lean on, and, and you're kind of just running straight through the slick and kind of on the banking there. They got their stuff really good, and Emerson's you know a good driver, of course. So I knew once I got to lap traffic that that was their shot where they're going to you know kind of close the door and, and you know try to try to make a move for the win, and, and that's what they were able to do. And you know, luckily I was kind of able to get up on the wheel and kind of you know man up and and finally get get the win so i know going down to backstretch you parted those fucking lappers you split them and from our vantage point it does not look wide at all and i'm sure it's not i mean especially compared to a track like here where it's super wide but how close were you i i think it was pretty close and and honestly i didn't think it was a big move you know when you're racing there you don't feel like you do something outrageous until you actually, you know, look at it in the fans' perspective or, or watch a video. And, and I truly didn't feel like it was, you know, something outrageous or, or you know, like trustworthy. And you know, I I knew Chase was a really good driver, and I, I knew he wasn't going to do anything stupid. And, and same with Zach Dom. So I knew I could trust those drivers. And if I wanted to win the race, I had to put those guys away as as quickly as I could. But like you said, um, there's not a lot of room, especially down the back straightaway there, mm-hmm. and, and you know the the wall kind of comes pretty close and the people off the bottom seem to you know glide to the top but, but like I said I just kind of had a lot of trust in those guys and you know had to do what I had to do there now you were there last year for midget week they changed the track configuration added in the banking I feel like they mirrored what they did here a little bit um, the fencing looks just like it does here it's almost like a mini version does it play that much different than it did last year 
Um, I'm glad, honestly, in, in my opinion, as a driver, that they kind of, you know, made the track bigger and added some banking for their midget um, deal. And, and I think I've watched a little bit of sprint car videos there. And I mean, it's a really good track for 600s now, for, you know, anything that really goes there. It puts on a really good show. But I feel like what they did was, was really good. And, um, you know, it definitely plays a big factor. And, and that we like coming out here and it's fun to race and you know all the fans of course make it fun also so um what they did with the track was really cool and uh you know i hope we keep on coming back out here and you know action track usa is always on the schedule oh yeah it, it was something that when i first started going there a couple of years ago midgets weren't running yet and i think everybody in the grandstands was like this is what needs to come here because it's badass but just like here you know with putting in that banking and widening the turns you don't necessarily know that people are going to use it they can still take the quicker way around and it seemed like you guys last night for the most part everybody was up on the fence in hot laps yet so you know do you now you run all sorts of tracks where you're up on the wall like that does the wall really suck you in like do you really feel like you're that close to the wall at any moment you're going to hit it yeah, you, you're definitely up there. I mean, um, you know, like you said, as soon as the, the green flag dropped in hot laps, we just went straight to the fence. And, and I feel like that's just kind of the, you know, dirt and grip level that you guys have out here with the, that kind of dirt. It's just, it's really not like we're used to. Like, it doesn't have a ton of natural grip. So, you know, of course, the bottom is the shortest way around the racetrack. Mm -hmm. but, but I feel like with the level of grip and the dirt you guys have out here, that it's just... It's not as grippy and, and the cars always feel loose. I feel like every night, you know, I came off the track last night, I complained that we were, you know, a little free and, um, you know, we were able to finally blow everything off and, and it got to the top. And then, you know, of course it builds a cushion and stops against the wall and then you can really, really lean on it. So that was pretty cool. And like I said, Action Track USA really done a big improvement and it definitely helped their racing overall. Yeah. So when you go from a show like Tuesday for Amby, where you're on a three eights, where it it is pretty wide open and then you go to a place like coast town where it's so small and now today we're on a four tenths where you could probably line up midgets 15 wide if you really wanted to so now you said you were down here for the micro show obviously on the quarter mile but you got to see what it looks like so mentally do you have to adjust yourself drastically from night to night when you go from a track like grandview to Kutztown to now this track. Yeah, definitely, and, and I feel like that's just what makes you a really good driver is when you're not, you know, setting on one track that you develop good habits or bad habits and that you can really, you know, go and travel and kind of prepare yourself mentally, physically for all these, you know, types of different tracks. But I feel like the biggest thing is just on the smaller tracks, you always got to look, I feel like, 10 cars ahead of you, especially when you're in traffic and then everything happens a lot faster. And then you go to these bigger tracks where you still got to have these, you know, different sets of skills where you got to keep the car straight. You can't bog it down. And um, I feel like, you know, going to all these tracks that we go to, it just makes a good driver out of you. And, and that's what it's uh, really cool about following a series. Yeah, so let's go back to two weeks ago for Micro Speed Week. I was surprised when I saw your name on the entry list. Was not expecting uh, Keith to bring to bring a car to out. Was I don't think a lot of people were expecting that. So now we go from this week where you're dealing with 25, 24 cars each night. Two weeks ago, almost 100 to, to start off. What does that, when you see an entry list like that, or you see heat lineups for 11 heat races, is it like a holy shit moment? Or do you kind of have to adjust yourself to 
kind of change your game plan as into what you're trying to do. I mean, obviously you're trying to go out there, be quick time, win your heat race, start up front, the whole nine yards, but that's a super deep field. And like we had just talked about, around here there's a lot of shoes in the micro ranks. A lot, yeah. Yeah, so I don't I don't know, I feel like I've ran micros, you know, often now and, and a lot here lately with Keith, you know, starting a micro team and everything that all of these bigger shows that we go to, all the ten grand to win shows, they all got eleven heat races and you kind of realize who you're racing against. But um, like I said, I haven't been out here to, to PA besides in the midget last year. And then I've never had a micro out here until, until this year with key stuff. But I, so I didn't really know anybody. I, of course, knew, you know, your bigger names like Brian Carver, Kyle Spence, Damon Paul, Colin White, you know, Bruno and all those people. So right. I knew they were going to be hard to beat. But then, you know, yet again, you're racing against 80 to, to 100 cars a night. So, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you don't know all those people. And then, um, you know, quickly in the week, you started learning who you were racing against who you could trust and um yeah there's a lot of shoes out here and honestly we got our butt kicked uh you know early on in the week and we really really struggled but then we went to lenko where you know it builds a cushion it it's kind of favors to a midwest track we were we were really good yeah so what is it what is it compared to as far as the midwest track um is it almost like a port city kind of thing or a little bit bigger than than port just um like when i say it's like a kind of a midwest favor it's just like the grip level of the dirt is just there kind of like a midwest track Mm -hmm. and then it builds a cushion i feel like a lot of these pa places like they it doesn't really bank up all the way to the wall which makes where you can't run the top or or they go out there and pack it down where it just gets dusty and really doesn't build Mm -hmm. a cushion to lean on but um lenko i mean that's a that's one of the bigger cushions i i race on and um, every time I go there and, and it, it improves and you know I just keep on falling in love with that place every time I go there and I feel like it's easily one of my you know top favorite favorite tracks to go to and um, it's cool to go to but I mean I don't know I mean I feel like all these tracks you know sprint car level out in here in PA they're phenomenal you got Port Royal you got Williams Grove Lincoln I mean all those tracks are absolutely killers but um, when we go out here to you know from the midget stuff and in the micro it's Lenko's, you know, definitely one that you always have your eye on and you always want to right. get to. So with these other tracks, they're they're fun and, you know, definitely have, you know, characteristics about them, which is, which is cool. You don't ever want to go out there and have, like, a boring racetrack. And um, it's just something we struggled on, and, and I feel like, uh, you know, they'll be fun once I start winning at them or something. Right. But, but Lenko, we just had a good run our first time there. So it's just always, you know, makes you want to go back to that place that you had success at. Yeah, I mean, and I talked to, to Spridge a couple weeks ago. He did an episode with me. And what's what's interesting dynamic is you take all your tracks out of Indiana. You guys run midgets and sprint cars all the time. So track prep becomes a secondhand nature kind of thing for the type of cars that are running. Here... Tuesday, you're at a modified track. Last night, you're at a micro track, so a little bit different perspective. Tonight, you're on a modified track. And then you go up to Bloomsburg Friday, which has only ran, I think, two and a half races at this point, maybe three. Um, got rained out a lot this year. It's brand new, and you don't necessarily know what to think. So it's, it's different when it comes to track prep around here, where they're being prepped like they normally would for a 2,500-pound car. And you guys, what's your weight now? Uh, we're like 1150 or 1050, I believe. Yeah, so yeah. not even half the weight. Not even half. So it's a real big difference. Did you watch the the sprint car show here when you saw? I did. There? Yeah, I watched. Um, I've watched a lot of places, and then I think this place will remind me of a lot of like you know the Midwest track will be Lawrenceburg. Yeah. Um, this place is like I know the dirt's going to be different, like I said, and then 
dirt level out here is a little bit different, but just kind of the shape and then, you know, what we're gearing on and stuff will be will be Lawrenceburg. So I think it'll be pretty cool. Unless you talk to Robert Ballou, he says it's not like Lawrenceburg. Really? Oh, yeah. He, he made sure that he made that known in victory lane after he won. Oh, okay. He's like, I know it was supposed to be designed after it, but it's not. Uh, I was like, well, obviously it's not Lawrenceburg. Yeah. It was concept wise mm -hmm. is where it started yes. I think this place has El Dorca characteristics mm -hmm. in the turns because they're so sweeping and you can hang the wall like they do at El Dorca mm -hmm. so I mean if you can combine and I don't know if that was the goal or not but if you can combine a place like Lawrenceburg and El Dorca together I mean Jesus <laughs> yeah it's a it's a beast so uh, going back to the 600 micro week you said you got your butt kicked going up into Lanco now you had ran Lanco before in the midget, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, do you think the midget game there played similar to the micro game? Um. Yeah, I do. I feel like you know when you run a midget at any track, you you have to run it so much harder, and then you know a lot of the your reflexes slow down. Like I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like when Kyle Larson goes from running 200 mile an hour on Sundays to getting in a sprint car, and he's only running 120 mile an hour. Like like everything you know is a lot slower, and you know your timing and everything and reflexes is a lot slower when you get into you know a slower car. Everything just happens a lot slower. So I feel like that's what I do when I get back into micro and um, running a midget I feel like of course helps you running in a micro like you can run it harder you like everything just slows down so I feel like going to a track where I've ran a midget where I know how hard I can run it and then going in a micro and you feel like you can run it 10 times harder but you're just going wide open right so you can't run it harder but you know Lenko I just feel like is it just fit kind of my driving style of just getting up there on the fence and um, for some reason, a lot of the PA guys really never got up there and, until after I did and, and kind of showed them that it was fast. Right, and that's that's part of the game. If you can find it before yeah. anyone else does, that's that's to your advantage. But uh, no, congrats on the 10 grand to win. I mean, that's huge. Um, you almost caught the championship too. I did my recap the next day and I hadn't seen where Bruno was announced, but... I kind of figured it out. I didn't realize how close you got. You were what two, three points off? I think I think it was like twelve points, and that was like you know four or so spots. So I th I think honestly, and then it's it's kind of hard saying this how close you know all the battles were, but you know Colin White having you know fortunate events on the last two days at Lanco, and then uh, you know Bruno getting caught up in a wreck at Bridgeport, and then I feel like if. You know, if my chain doesn't come off running third at Greenwood the first night, I feel like, you know, the points would have been a lot tighter. And mm -hmm. it's, it's weird saying that because the points were crazy tight anyways. But um, Bruno had a really good run and he was fast all week. Colin was really, really good. Probably the, the guy to beat leading up to Lenko. And uh, his luck just kind of went downhill as soon as, like, the hot lap at Lenko just was was really weird but you know bruno and them kept up uh you know just straight up beat us in the championship points so. yeah and and to show the the level of ability at that week tommy kunzman so linda's is his wheelhouse he i watched a night there where he won five features in one night wow he won 125s 270s wingless 600s they ran midgets that night and something else like he won everything he's the guy to beat every night there and i saw after uh qualifying or after he races were over he was like 35th in points i'm like 
that cannot be correct. Yeah. And that's just an attest to, to anything can happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go down to 10th or 20th and in points, they can put you behind the eight ball real quick. Yeah. Way fast. And like, I think Tommy ended up missing the show at action track and yep. like, so did people like Alex Bright. And I just, that's just crazy how, how much local talent is in PA. And then, you know, you can sleep on these guys, but they're really, really fast out here. And it's just, it's not a cakewalk. That's for sure. Right. So let's, let's flip to your relationship with KKM and Keith Coons. Obviously, I think everyone's in agreement. Keith is the guy when it comes to midget racing. Um, when you look at it now, so your number changed this year, right? Yep. So why the switch from 9 to 71K? Yeah, so um, when I first you know, got into KKM Stable three years ago, they just really didn't have a, a good number for me. And then I personally... I I didn't want to bring my own number just because I wanted to be in, you know, a KKM car and, and have, you know, their number and, and everything. But uh, he always says he has four numbers on the cars. And, and what's weird is it's recently changed because you got like 27, you got 25, and you got all these weird uh-huh. number, numbers. But I just feel like it's so hard to to put like a 71K or 71X on all these guys that he just, you know, lets them have their own number. So when I came in three years ago, they didn't really have a number for me, but but like I said, going back to their four numbers that they had, it was always like nine, seven, one, and uh, I believe a six. six. Yeah, yep. six. So, so nine was in there, but it was just weird because he didn't know if he wanted to. And then um, I asked him, I, I asked him, you know, what number I was gonna be in because, you know, back then when I was a you know younger kid, I felt like numbers was really big to me, and like I wanted to be the number that I have been when I very first started racing, and then um, nine was even my dad's number. So I just wanted to kind of carry okay. on the tradition and everything, and you know was fortunate enough that they let me run nine, mm-hmm. and then uh, actually Keith, you know, wanted to or he called me this year at the beginning of the year and asked if I would switch numbers, and and I truly still don't know why to this day why he <laughs> wants me to switch numbers or why he wanted me to, but. But um, when Keith when Keith calls anybody and, and wants them to do something, I'm sure nobody will tell him no. So I ended up just saying yes, and uh, here we are, 71K. I think it's an, it's an identifier type thing, because all the number styles on this cars are all similar. Yep. Um, and honestly, if you didn't have Craftsman on your car, I might have oversaw that you were part of KKM. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just, it's one of them things, right? Yep. So now you're in a 71K, and I gotta ask, I mean, how old are you now? I'm 16. 16. Damn. <laughs> Make me feel old. Do you look back at all the guys that have been in a 71K and kind of think like, holy shit, like I'm on this list with these legendary guys. I mean, you're in a stable where the best of the best ever have ran for Swindell, Larson, Bell, Rico, um, all those guys. Is it like a humbling experience when you when you kind of see it outside the box? Yeah, definitely. And, and I feel like it's always, you know, a cool experience to to be in a, you know, Keith Coon's car and whatnot. But then again, when when I finally won this year with them and then could put my name in it, you know, for sure that I, you know, won with KKM, I won with this number, I, I won with this series. That was that was really cool too. But but going back and looking back, you know, at who was in the 71K, I mean, just from Oklahoma, you got Christopher Bell, you got Donnie Ray Crawford, who a lot mm-hmm. of people have kind of, you know, forgotten about. Yeah. And he ran it during Chili Bowl, which is really, really cool. And um, Cannon McIntosh ran it last year. And then, you know, I'm fortunate enough to run it this year. So there's 
four people right there that ran it, you know, let alone from Oklahoma. So I feel like Oklahoma as a whole has just, you know, been really fortunate enough to, to breed good drivers. And, you know, Keith has really paid attention to Oklahoma, you know, since Donnie Ray and Christopher have kind of set the way path. Well, yeah, and you can't forget Bacon. Yeah, um, Bacon's B- another one. Yeah. He never ran for Keith as far as I know, but I, uh, I had talked to him back in April when they were up at Big Diamond where I work and he said it's like a it's a odd breeding ground but it's full of talent yes it, it's crazy so it cra- I think it's I think it's really Port City Port City yeah you know is just crazy I mean it's it's like kind of the track that we raced on last night like it's small you get into lap traffic in five to eight laps and you got to be up on the wheel looking ahead 10 cars and you do tear a lot of stuff up there when you're not careful, but it, you know, it makes you a driver and it makes you, you know, get up on the wheel when you need to, and it makes you run that car 110% for you know 25 laps on a weekly basis. That's and I keep telling guys too, like it, it's happening around here now, where they build up this USAC 360 class, so not quite the national 410 stuff, but it's that it's that tweener phase from for us guys running here because midgets just aren't a thing as popular as they may have once been with the ARDC club, but it's like this stepping stone where you have guys, the guys you mentioned, Colin White, Damon Paul, Alex Bray, uh, Steve Dravicki another one, where they've all kind of shifted into this USAC 360 deal all at the same time. Briggs Danner yes. is setting shit yeah. ablaze. Um, and I don't think anyone ever saw it coming because he ran modifieds first. Yeah. After his quarter midget days, he ran a modified and kind of stepped away from the wingless game. But now it's like, holy shit. But it's a stepping stone where these guys are all going to get seen now on the USAC level of things. And I've heard Scuttlebutt walking through the pits, you know, for Eastern Storm. Guys talking about Briggs, guys talking about Alex and stuff like that. So it's, uh, you know, just like Keith keeps a focus and eye on Oklahoma to an extent it's starting to happen in this area too and it's it's awesome to see that there's another level for guys to go to mm-hmm. without necessarily having to go in a wing direction yeah I feel like you know PA is you know what they're you know main for out here is is wing stuff as of right mm-hmm. now and then like you know that's what everybody wants to do is go run a wing 410 you know at Williams Grove Port Royal and all those cool places but but like you said I feel like you know this USAC 360 deal is is a big deal and I feel like a lot of those you know micro kids that that's the direction that they want to go because mm-hmm. they want to get into midget they want to get into you know a non-wing sprint car but then you know it opens up a lot of opportunities for like your non-wing guys out in you know Indiana out in the Midwest to to look at these guys and realize that they have the talent and then you know you know, here you know it, you have Briggs, Danner, and all them going out to, you know, run a Kokomo on, on Sunday or something like that, which, right. will be, which will be really cool, and, and that just shows you, you know, that you can do it, and uh, you just got to keep on working on it and working on it hard. Well, yeah, and seeing some of these guys get opportunities out at the Chili Bowl, too. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, Alex hopped in a really good car last year. Um, you know, Anthony Macri was in a car last year. Brent Shear got, yep. you know, 410 guys. It's like, it's so awesome to see them get an opportunity. Whether it may be a great car or not, it's still the opportunity, right? Yep, they're still in that building at Chili Bowl. And, you know, Alex is phenomenal. I mean, he's won a prelim at Chili Bowl. So it just shows, you know, how good he is and how good a lot of the PA guys are out here. Yeah, and even, even with the Tulsa shootout too, uh, you know, Spence and Carver especially have gone out there and kicked ass and taken names yep. and uh, bringing that stuff back home. So 
You just on your third year for KKM. Yep. How is it being around Keith, especially the amount of time you are around him? Yeah, it's um, it's it's cool. Um, that's for sure. And then, you know, all the people that work for Keith and that you know that I'm around Keith and that are around Keith and Pete, it's it's truly really a blessing. And you know, I feel like we're all family now. I mean, it's it's cool. I, I live in Columbus now. I'm I'm with them. I mean, 24/7. The way I look at it is, I'm 16 years old. I don't go to to high school like a normal kid would. I I do online. So. You know, the moment I walk into the shop, it's like, they're my high school. This is my high school. These are my high school friends. And you know, we're all just having a, a really good time. I mean, everyone's, I, I say younger. I mean, of course, Keith and Pete are the, the oldest guys there and you got Chuck and Bo, but I mean, the like Jarrett, who's a crew chief, uh, got Grant, who's a car chief. And then all these other guys, they're 22 to 24 years old, which I mean, I think that's still pretty young to work mm-hmm. on a work on a midget. I mean, Jarrett's a full crew chief for Buddy Kofoid, Kofoid who's just calling the shots. Like right. he is doing it. He is the guy that that makes all the setup decisions on that car. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to do this. And Keith, um, Keith's a cool guy to work with. And like I said, I feel like he's just become family. And we're you know we're all clicking here. And I feel like we're all gonna you know be really really good towards the end of the year. And I mean. Buddy's leading the points. I'm, you know, a hundred so out of, of the championship, and it's going to come really, really close here. And, and I feel like we got a, you know, two cars that are really going to be have a shot at a USAC championship and have a shot at winning a lot of races, you know, later in the year here. Oh yeah, it it's definite. You two both are odds-on favorites 99 percent of the time. Um, so are you are your parents heavily involved with the KKM side of things? Like or you know, I talked to Emerson yesterday and he said that his dad is, is definitely involved with the Petrie side of things with his car and stuff like that. Are your parents involved as well? My parents are involved with you know, me traveling because I'm only sixteen years right, old of course right. and, and and everything. But um, the last two years are yeah, they're not involved. Um, you know, like with setup or anything like that, or like maintenance on the car or anything. Like they're just, they're just there for you know my parents, and they just let me you know go out there and drive their cars. Which, yeah. So they're not, they're not involved. I guess like you could say like Emerson's dad is of right. course with him crew chiefing the car or anything. But but they are at the races and you know support of me. And uh, this year has kind of been a little bit different. Um, you know, with with my parents coming to the races, and, and I've went to a lot of races just by myself and kind of stayed with the team. But um, yeah, they're they're involved, but not you know like setting up the car or having any suggestions. Just on, what on they a, could just do on a car. support basis. Just on a support for you know being my parents, they are here, but but they're not making any calls on the car. So like I've coached uh, a collegiate bowling team for a year. Yep. Um, it's interesting coach parent dynamic that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how especially with Keith having younger guys yep. behind the wheel does he make sure that he includes parents and welcomes them and kind of incorporates them all together so there isn't a separation there to to kind of because it's an interesting situation you're in like you said you're not in high school Mm-mm. Not a lot of kids are in your situation um, you know running for a high profile national team here. So I can only imagine that it can get weird sometimes where, like, 
you're not at home playing with your friends. Yeah. You know, no. you're, so does, does Keith try and help that whole transition for yourself and even your parents? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, I'm one of the, you know, few people or that kind of started coming to Keith when they were, you know, really younger and, um, you know, had the opportunity to drive for him when I was, you know, 14 was my first year. So I feel like it was new to him, but I mean, he takes the parents in, you know, full effect that they're involved and they can come and do stuff. But then yet again, I feel like all the parents are truly smart enough that, that they know when to kind of step back and let, you know, Keith, if he wants to chew on his drivers a little bit or if he wants right. to coach them, that, that they're smart enough. And, you know, if you're going to Keith Coons Motorsports, I feel like you want to make a career out of racing. It's not just, your, you know, your local weekly hobby. You you want to be a, you know, top-tier NASCAR guy like, you know, Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell are doing. So, right. so I feel like the parents are, you know, smart enough to kind of step away and, and realize that this isn't their time to kind of talk and that um, Keith definitely knows what he's doing. So, you know whatever he's telling is his drivers that it's it's truly smart and but but Keith opens you know all the parents in with opening arms and um, I feel like there hasn't been any you know communication skills with with like a person or, or a parent coming in and, and saying that my kid needs to do this or, right. or whatnot it's it's been ran really smooth and all the parents you know you know kind of stay away and um, I'm glad my parents aren't aren't one to kind of tell me what to do or anything <laughs> they, they kind of just let me do it and then when Keith needs to yell at me um, they sure let and yell at me that's for sure till they hear this episode that yeah. might change yeah you, know, that you, might just, change. you just yeah. dug yourself a hole there yeah but uh as we wind this down you know i asked emerson the same question so i'm going to ask you you know you're both kids in my eyes <laughs> and i'm not even 40 yet what is your main long-term goal i mean he doesn't want to go nascar he wants to be an outlaw yep so you know you have Larson and Bell who are telling you you can do this um, we've done this yep. you know this is the path kind of thing yep. but you have guys I know Bacon was in a developmental deal with Chip Ganassi years ago and it never came to be so what's your end game you know what do you want to take this to I feel like you know I'm hooked up and you know had an opportunity to run for Keith Coons Motorsports which is in Toyota Racing and, and I feel like I want to go NASCAR racing as of right now. Okay. I mean, I, I just feel like um, everything's fallen into place, you know, where I, I can go NASCAR racing, and I, and I feel like that's just the, you know, smart decision and, and kind of, you know, what I've been working for is to be, you know, an all-time NASCAR guy. But, you know, if that doesn't work out or, or if something, if I get there and then it's just not meant to be or if I get on pavement and I just suck, period. That, right. That I feel like, you know, a world of outlaws is not nothing to hang your head about, of course. No. I mean, you're running at a national level like anybody else out there. So, yep, NASCAR is probably my goal. But then, you know, yet again, you've got all these other options that you can do, which which is really cool. But but I think I'm going to focus on NASCAR and try to get there. Good. Good. And, I, and like you said, Toyota, that's a huge connection there, too. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's Toyota cars or the motors themselves. But, um, you know, and, and not everyone's caught out for it. Um, Steve Kinzer, prime example. Yep. The greatest, arguably the greatest outlaw driver ever, uh-huh. sprint car driver ever. Yep. Didn't pan out on asphalt. Mm-mm. Have you done pavement racing? Uh, I've done a couple of test sessions, and then um, I got a couple of races scheduled at the end of this year that I'm really fortunate enough to do. But but I've tested, and then it's it's fun. I, li- I like pavement a lot, and, and I think that uh, it'll be really cool, you know, once they kind of get this 
you know, new next-gen car and everything. It'll bring a whole bunch of, you know, eyes back onto it. And, um, you know, the short track racing right now is tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've went and watched a couple of those races, and I'm very fortunate enough to have a friendship with Jesse Love, who's, you know, making his way through the mm-hmm. late model and uh, Xfinity and stuff like that, which is really cool. But, um, I mean, it's tough stuff. It's not just, you know, it's a cakewalk. I feel like Larson and Bell honestly made it look easy. <laughs> um, like, they, they really Larson did. more than Bell, but, yeah, they've kind of made it look real simple yeah um larson did it more on the cup level of things quicker than most yep bell hopped into the xfinity car and wasn't letting anybody beat him yeah it it was just it was strange right it was really strange and i I think pavement is you got to be in good equipment and i feel like uh you know with toyota racing and they have good equipment they have good stuff and that they'll uh they would definitely won't you know stray their development drivers they'll make sure they're in good stuff that they can you know show their talent and you know hopefully make it to cup one day yeah that's that's a good goal it's it's and i asked too because you know when i was your age in high school i was sitting with guidance counselors talking about what am i doing after high school yep so whether you're 15 16 or 20 or 30 still can ask that question on what you know your aspirations are because i'm sure keith knows you're not going to be his midget driver for the next 20 years yep i think that's an understandable thing um it's had a lot of drivers over the last five ten years because of that it is a building you Mm -hmm. know system here and yep um if you got the opportunity to hop in a wingless 410 or a silver crown car you take the opportunity i would take the opportunity depending on you know what track i think uh, okay the the wingless stuff because i mean that stuff's dangerous it's not something that you can get in there and just you know be good at like you, you got to be careful and so uh, no terra hot i don't think so <laughs> I, I i truly don't i mean boy bacon just put a damper on terra hot yeah, did he not yeah wow that, um, one was, that one was big that he took there and then he comes out and comes out for the B, wins the B. Yeah. Um, you know. He's just a different breed. He's he's crazy. The you, macho man for a reason. You ain't kidding. Um, but no, it'd be cool to see you out in a, a wingless car. I mean, Cannon's not doing too bad. No, and I feel like a wingless car, you know, helps. Like, again, you're in a bigger car. You're going faster than you are in a midget. So it's going to slow everything down once again when you get back into midget. But I feel like the direction that I want to go, you know, long time of going to NASCAR that I feel like a wingless 410 is is good to get in, you know, every now and then, but it's not something that you want to set your career at. I feel like, um, you know, every opportunity you get, you get to run a wing 360, a wing 410, absolutely. That That's something that I want to do is run wing cars. I, I feel like they help you tremendously about, you know, keeping corner speed, keeping the car up, Mm-hmm. Um, riding the brake it's just all this stuff helps you a lot and, and I feel like you know a non-wing 410 is good at some places and a wing 410 is good at all places yes. so yeah you're it's, right it's kind of hard to pick and choose there and Sunshine's helping with that too he's so very not, good so example. not with Larson and just and though and Bell um you know they're running part-time dirt stuff but I think Sunshine's opening the eyes for everyone too as into what they've been able to accomplish now especially capping off with the king's royal leading the all-star points and whatnot he's helping a lot of you guys see your short-term dreams too yes absolutely and i feel like you know once he gets back in a, a midget i don't know you know when he is but c39 yeah i'm guessing bc39 mm-hmm. will be his one and, and i truly think that he will be 
fast. Like, I mean, of course he was already Because he'll be going slower. Yeah, but he's going slower. I mean, and then the wing stuff, it just helps you. So I, I think he'll be one of the guys that I have to be, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but no, he'll be good. And I just feel like wing cars help you tremendously in any anything you get in. Yeah, yeah. But um, short-term goal, go out there and win tonight, right? That sounds good. I'm, I'm hoping that that's a plan. Good. Make sure you get the Fort White Salute podcast. A nice shout out in Victory Lane. Sounds good. I will do.